Welcome back to the Grower Radio Network. I'm Chris Mosby, the Assistant Editor for Greenhouse Management and Produce Grower Magazines. I'm joined today by Michael Evans, a professor in the Department of Horticulture at the University of Arkansas. Michael will also be a featured speaker at Cultivate 14. Michael, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Chris. So without wasting any more time, let's jump right into the questions. Uh, Mike, what are the different soilless and hydroponic growing systems available to growers, and how do these systems work, and which crops do they favor? Well, Chris, there's a number of these different systems, and before sort of going into the different ones, growers should really keep in mind that they all can fall into one of sort of two broad categories. You can have some systems that are referred to as go-to-waste systems, and they're called that because the way they operate, any leachate um, or drainage of water and fertilizer is not recollected. We allow it to drain just like we would, say, you know, potted crops growing on a standard bench. That's go to waste. Then we also have systems that are recirculating or recycling systems. And those systems, we have a, a set nutrient solution that we're applying to our crop, and we have something or some system or component there that recollects that drainage, and we take it back and we process it and reuse it. So within those different categories, we, for example, have the nutrient film technique, which is often just referred to as NFT. That tends to be a recirculating system. There's no soil or growing media without it at all. The, the roots are just bathed in a very thin film of nutrient solution constantly. Um, that's most often used for greens and herbs, although some people are now starting to experiment with using NFT uh, for strawberries, believe it or not. Um, we also have something called deep flow, and kind of going along with that deep flow, uh, we also have shallow flow. And that's, those exist because if we look at what the traditional deep flow was, we basically have, if you will, a pond or a long run that is full of a nutrient solution, a dilute fertilizer solution. And our greens or our herbs that we're growing at literally float on top of that. And it used to be that that solution was fairly deep. You know, it, that, that run could be, say, one or two feet deep. And then you would have these styrofoam platforms, for example, floating. And the roots of the greens of the herbs would be hanging down in that solution. Over time, we have reduced the depth of that solution. And that's why we now sometimes say shallow flow, because it's not really that deep anymore. Right. And those are also sort of a, a system where we don't have runoff and drainage. So we reuse that and, and, and whatnot, and that helps us to not have um, to waste fertilizer and water solution. And those, those are primarily used, again, for greens and herbs. Um, we have things like gutters where we can put rock wool slabs or bags on these gutters, and we irrigate the crop by drip tubes, and then the gutters recollect the fertilizer or the water solution, and we recirculate that. And that's a real common system used in things like cucumbers, tomatoes, um, and peppers. Now, similar to that system, we have something referred to as Dutch buckets, and these basically are large plastic buckets. We supply our water and nutrient solution through a drip, but those buckets are designed to connect to a PVC pipe at their bottom, and when drainage occurs out of that bucket, the PVC pipe recollects that. And again, we can recollect that solution, that fertilizer solution, process it, reuse it. Uh, those buckets are very good for, again, our vine crops, tomatoes, peppers, uh, cucumbers, also very effective on strawberries. 
Um, those are probably the major things that people are using for those different types of crops. And Michael, what are some of the basic methods for growing leafy greens in a hydroponic system? Well, sort of as I mentioned with some of these before, the main things people are really using would be the NFT troughs, so the nutrient film technique troughs, where the roots are just laying right in that thin film of solution and it's constantly flowing. That's a very common, very effective system. Or people may use deep flow or shallow flow that we described. Uh, that's also used quite often. Now, an advantage of the deep flow and the shallow flow versus the NFT system, you know, Chris, if your power goes out and you're doing NFT, your pumps are going to go out. Mm -hmm. So you've got a very short period of time there to sort of recover before you're going to start suffering some kind of crop damage. If you're doing deep flow or shallow flow, your solution, you know, is sitting there. Now, you may lose the ability to oxygenate that solution uh, or make adjustments to that solution, but your, your recovery time uh, is much, much longer. So people prefer one over the other for various reasons. An interesting thing, Chris, that we're actually experimenting with, we have a lot of growers who have ebb and flood benches that they have used for years to grow potted crops. And we're actually looking at ways to use those benches now for growers that have been doing ornamentals that want to use their ebb and flood benches to grow greens. And we're working on a system where we turn those ebb and flood benches really into aggregate benches. And uh, we're going to be discussing that quite a lot at the Cultivate conference here in July and show growers um, what we've been doing on that as a new way to grow greens. Interesting. And, and another one of your topics at Cultivate 14 will be growing strawberries in a greenhouse. And so what's different about growing strawberries in a greenhouse as opposed to, say, outside? The answer to that, in short, is everything. When you're in a greenhouse, one of the reasons to go into the greenhouse situation is because you're growing in a different season. So you're trying oftentimes to have those strawberries coming to market, um, let's say November, December, January, for example, where you're not having, you know, the competition from the outside produced berries or the high tunnel produced berries uh, as as much. So you're growing it, you're growing this crop at a at a in a season itself that's not normal or is not like the outdoor field production. So things like light level is going to be very different. You're going into a greenhouse, so humidity is going to be different, which can have an impact, for example, on botrytis that can attack the fruit. Um, in the greenhouse scenario, using these kinds of systems I mentioned, you're in fact now managing your water, your irrigation, and your fertilization practices 100%. Uh, you're not out in a field where you may have you know, added fertilizer to your soil, for example. In the greenhouse, we also have to deal with the issues of pollination, for example. Um, we don't have pollinators in the greenhouse. We don't have the level of wind that you would have outdoors. So you've got you've to think about how is your crop going to get pollinated. So there's all of these factors that you have to think about when you go into the greenhouse environment on strawberries. And probably uh, one of the best things growers that are interested in strawberries could do is we've put together a YouTube channel that we've done in conjunction with the University of Arizona and growers that are interested in strawberries in the greenhouse can go to that YouTube channel and we walk them through in video format, uh, video after video after video, really taking them through how to do strawberries in a greenhouse in a lot of detail. 
Fantastic. And that's available at youtube.com backslash user backslash sustainable hydro, correct? That's correct. That's now publicly available, so you can just go direct to that site. Fantastic. And Michael, we appreciate you taking some time to talk to us today, and we know you'll be presenting at Cultivate 14 in July. Can you tell us a little bit about what you'll be talking about then? Uh, I can. We actually have a really great session planned with a lot of different speakers. Uh, On the morning of the 14th, we will be going sort of more of a beginner's sort of session for those that are really just moving into this area, or maybe they've started but need a lot more information or would like sort of basics. And as we go through that morning session, we're going to discuss various things, um, including sort of what I alluded to in this talk. We're going to get into a lot of detail on all the different kinds of hydroponic and soilless systems. I'll be doing that with Mark Krogel from Arizona and really more on the pros and the cons and the systems and how they work and operate. Uh, Brian Krug from New Hampshire will be talking about water quality considerations specific to hydroponics. Uh, Chris Higgins of Hort Americas will be dealing with lighting issue. Uh, Johan Buck will be talking about fertilizer basics. We'll finish that morning really with a, an open discussion period for growers to ask their own questions. In that afternoon session, as we continue, we'll be getting into sort of crop specifics. And Cherry Kubota from Arizona will be discussing tomato production in greenhouses. Uh, I'll be discussing uh, fresh greens. Chris Curry from Iowa State will discuss culinary herbs, which people are getting very interested in now. And then Mark Krogel and I will discuss the uh, production of strawberries in greenhouses, again, in a lot more detail than we did here today. And again, just as the morning session, we'll finish that off with a nice session for growers to be able to ask their own questions that they might have. Fantastic. And that's July 14th, correct? That is July 14th, all day. Sounds like a great session. And Michael, we want to thank you again for taking some time to speak with us today. I appreciate it, Chris. Thank you.